Hey. So tonight's going to be another one of those nights where we just kind of prophetically pursue something. Um, so strap yourself in or out or <laughs> whatever you're meant to do because... Um, yeah, tighten your seatbelt, Martha. <laughs> nice. So let me try and give a little bit of context for a moment and then add a little bit. Um, God's doing a whole lot amongst us at the moment. And one of the things that I'm just feeling his spirit on right now is just this. It's like he's upping the relentlessness of the pursuit of our hearts. He's never not doing that, but it's like, I can't get it out of my spirit that right now he's extra intentional about it, that he's extra intentional about the pursuit of our heart and the wooing of our heart. And there are things that he wants to do in the physical realm to demonstrate his goodness. And yes, even if he just did that alone, that would be enough. But part of the reason he wants to do it is to capture our hearts afresh. I don't know if any of you remember ever falling in love. Yep. <laughs> love your work, Steve. <laughs> While this is, you know, it's a very emotional thing that's going on, there are things that you do in the practical realm in order to... <laughs> wasn't talking about that. Um in order to pursue and to capture the heart of another. And there are blessings that God wants to release over each of us that he's a good daddy, just loves to do that anyway. But right now there's this extra intentionality about his heart. I can't tell you exactly why or what, other than I just can't escape it out of my spirit. That, that's one piece of context around what we're going to go after because what we're going to do is literally, I think, something we've never done before um, uh, since we've been I-61. Um, we've been talking about this thing called the Ecclesia and how God's blueprint for the church is really, really different, I think, to what we have been familiar with over the last you know, couple of thousand years with a few exceptions um, in the book of Acts and a few examples around the world. And again, everything we're about to pursue is a part of that as well because he wants to position us in such a way that everything that we're created to do as the ecclesia in this region is resourced so that we never actually have to consult the bank account to find out what the will of God is. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, when you have to consult the bank account to find the will of God, it's like, it's really on my heart. I feel like God's leading me to do this. And then you go look to the bank account to see if it's actually possible. That's when we consult the bank account to find the will of God. Now, if I got really harsh, I'd say that's called an idol because an idol is anything you consult before you do the will of God. But then there's, so, then there's the practical reality though. Then there's the pragmatic reality. Well, if it's not there, it's not there. What do you do? And that's when you either take a step out in faith and hope that God shows up or more on that in a moment. As we went through the week and as, as we came out of last week, one of the things that we talked about last week is, again, 
becoming immune to the spirit of the air in our region. We've had a kind of a couple of shots at that. Um, we've talked about the python spirit, and I'm going to pick that up again in a moment. And how it, as a spirit, and we see it in Acts 17. I'm going to pick that up. And if you have a Bible, if you want to flick open to there, I'm going to show up there in just a moment and then go in a couple of places. We see um, the, this python spirit. Um, it's a constrictor. It's not, it's not like a viper. Vipers tend to go and bite. Whereas a, a constrictor just wraps itself around you and slowly just tightens its grip until you slowly just die. And then it can eat you. It's way less dramatic. But in some ways, it's way effective because the process of it just happens little bit by little bit by little bit. And you don't notice it. And then after a little while, you kind of go, geez, I'm kind of struggling to breathe here. I'm just feeling really, really, really constricted. Like, like, like I can't move. Until someone points out, hey, dude, what's that snake hanging around you <laughs> and constricting you? And you go, oh, my goodness. And you get some breakthrough. So during this week, this has been one of those weeks where varying different people who pray have called us and said some things. Like, I feel like God's talking to this. And it just so happens that these people didn't talk to each other about this, but did talk to us. But what they all said was the same thing. Now, when that happens, I smell God <laughs> might be up to something. Wendy, can I borrow you? Yeah, sure. out, out, out here, actually. Yeah. Give I will give you back. <laughs> I promise. I promise. So where, where we want to go after I mentioned the word resource, let, let me be really clear what I'm talking about there because that can sound metaphoric. I really, we really feel like God wants to do something around cash, our finances. Um, individually. He's wanting to break some stuff off us. If you're feeling in any way constricted around finance, this is a good day for you. Do you want to share what you were feeling this week and what we talked about this morning? Yes. Do you remember what we talked about this morning? It'll come to me. Yeah, just, just start talking and as, you'll get it. As there. I start to talk, it will come to me. Yes. So um, I have been feeling, um, I've had this agitation in my spirit this week Every time I hear about the new financial year being about to tick over, and I said to Tim this morning, I've never cared about the new financial year. All it means is I have to do my taxes. But this year there's been something on it. And um, I felt that there is something that God wants to shift for us. And that this is a moment in time when we can... Look at what's been, where it's been difficult for us in finances, where it's been scary, where perhaps we have some fear, where it hasn't worked out the way we wanted it to. And we can stop right here and say, you know what? That wasn't God. That wasn't his plan. He's faithful. We're going to look forward and we're going to hear from him a promise that comes from his heart of goodness for us. And then we're going to step into that. So it being the new financial year, God doesn't function to our calendar, we function to his. But at the same time, he captures our attention sometimes um, through dates that we humanly create. More? 
Do I remember that bit? <laughs> no. <laughs> Did I say that? I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, you go ahead. Okay. Well, that's all right. I bought my own. Um, so one of the things Wendy said, um, I think you said it in the, mess- in the message you sent to Deb, and then we talked about it this morning, was there was, as we get to the end of the financial year, there's unfinished stuff. There's unfinished baggage financially, unfinished disappointments, and stuff that God wants to do that isn't yet complete that he wants to bring to completion so we can step into the financial, new financial year on a completely new footing without the constriction. Does that sound familiar? Yes, that's, that sounds right. And there's an expansion. <laughs> See, he's good too. <laughs> you should just record me when I'm talking because I don't remember things. Oh, I did. I transcribed it too, but I didn't tell you. Um, there's an expansion. God is a God of an expansion. God's not a God of constriction. He's not a God of tightness. He's not a God of... This won't work. It doesn't fit. It's not enough. And we feel that's what you're hearing in your heart. That's not from God. God's a God of absolute provision. And he wants us to step into his economy where we are givers and we are receivers. So as a church body, we look around the room and we can be givers and we can be receivers. But my challenge is that you just step in to his economy somewhere where you can find an opening. And that is either as a giver or as a receiver. I've been both. And it's amazing doing both. But it always comes back to who God is and what his promises are. So some of you have promises from God about your finances. And some of you may not yet have promises. So my challenge for this year is to ask God, What's he telling you about your finances? What's he telling you about his provision? What's he challenging you to have faith to believe him for? So you're not looking at a financial system. You're not looking at a bank account. You're looking at his father's heart that is absolutely faithful and that holds the fullness of all the provision that you will need. Is it? I don't know. Yeah, we'll come back if there's more. Give Wendy a hand. She's amazing. Okay. So after that message came through this week, then Cam and Elisa were leading a group on... It was Thursday night, wasn't it? Friday morning, I'm sitting on a plane at some stupid hour about to fly down to Melbourne for a business meeting, and I get this message. And I think, did you send it through Thursday, Wendy? Yeah, yeah, you're Wendy, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I think it was Thursday, so I'd kind of been brewing over that. And then Cam and Elise had their group on Thursday night, and then you sent this through Friday morning. I'm sitting on a plane, minding my own business, and God shows up in the form of this message. Um, And you guys had been... Actually, why don't you just tell us what you had been doing at that point in time? Okay, so Thursday night we were going after prayer and really just having a bit of fun with some prayer. And out of one of our times we actually had some fairly strong prophetic words I felt came through for our church because we were focusing solely on our church body praying and um, so I actually stopped it and said okay we need to actually pray into these words that people got Um, and we had Steph I still can't shake Steph's word about the storehouses being broken open um, and being able to be a resource for our community um, and Cameron had Malachi, what was the verse, 110? 
Malachi chapter 4. I'm about to read from that. Yeah, that one. Um, So it was all about uh, resources being broken open to us and it was heaven's resources coming forth and stewarding those in our community and within ourselves. It wasn't just financial. It was also other resources as well um, that came through. Yeah, resources are resources and they are things that enable. Um, So, yeah, what you said was... There it is. Heard the words, the storehouses will be open to you. She saw all the resources of heaven released to the church for I-61 to be a resource and provision for the lack in the community. And then Cameron felt the key was Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. And so on it goes. And I'm going to open that one up in just a moment. So that came after the convo that we'd had with Wendy and we went, okay, God's on something with finance. It's the last day, it's the last few hours of the financial year and there is something God wants to do as we end this financial year and start a new one. You up for it? All right. Acts chapter 17. Oh, there it is. Yeah, because I bled on my Bible and literally I bled on the word blood. That was completely accidental. Like, I don't know how that happened. Something happened. I think I, I, I don't know if I cut it on a guitar thing or something and then just I bled on it and I looked and went, oh, I bled on the word blood. Um, that has nothing to do with Acts chapter, it's actually Acts chapter 16. Sorry, I said 17, but what I meant was 16. We've talked about this passage in relation to the Python spirit. And that was around six weeks ago. I think. And um, this is the story where Paul and Silas are going to the place of prayer and there was this slave girl following along along behind them saying, these are, let me quote it exactly, uh, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. This is Acts 16. I'm up to verse 18. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul, because he was so annoyed, turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Now, if you go back up to verse 16, if you're reading the NIV, it says, we were going to the place of prayer when we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. If you've got the NIV, that's what it says. If you actually go back to the Greek, it doesn't say that. It actually says Numa Python, a spirit of Python. Now, if you understand um, the culture of back then and what that meant, if, if any of you ever heard of the Oracle of Delphi, which is this demonic, psychic kind of thing, well, basically that was the spirit of the Oracle of Delphi. So basically this girl in that city was like the Oracle of Delphi. And it was particularly round. Yes, Josh, like this. <laughs> I'm talking with my hands. If I sit on my hands, I literally cannot talk. So if you want to shut me up, tie my hands up and make me sit on them. I really should not have said that. We'll just wipe that off the recording and out of all of your minds. Now, um, so this is a spirit that is psychic in nature, as in counterfeit of the prophetic, in nature, but there are a number of other attributes to it. Now, we know, as we've talked about, a python is something that constricts. It slowly just wraps itself around its prey until it can't move, can't breathe, and it dies, and then it can eat it. Takes a while, but it happens. 
Verse 19, we start to see another interesting facet of this particular spirit. So it says, when her owners realized their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. In other words, this spirit was tied to the economy of that city. In other words, there's something about the way that this spirit operates in that it wants to control finances, it wants to control resources. So these people threw the city into uproar because by casting out that spirit, it got rid of their chance of making cash. So there's this economic link to this spirit as well as this prophetic link. And one of the things that we were feeling as we were going through the week is there is this constriction still remaining around finances that we need to break. Anyone up for that? I mean, if you're not, I'll have yours. That's quite okay. Because I don't believe it's the will of God that any of his people should be in lack. There's lots of things that we need to learn. There's lots of things we need to grow in. Of course, there are heart issues around that, of course. Ultimately, it is my firm belief that God wants his people to be in a place of abundance and overflow. I have much more to say about that at another time. And what we did... You know, six-ish weeks or so ago when we talked about Python, it's like we're not going to go up against a territorial spirit kind of directly. That's really stupid. That, that lacks wisdom. Um, there's a time and a place for that when gatekeepers right across the city and churches and ministries right across the city can come into a level of agreement where there's corporate authority to take that down. Individuals doing that is what's commonly called stupid. So we don't do that. People get hurt when we do that. What we can do, though is cut off every agreement and alignment in us so that it can't operate in us. And then as we do that and we create a community where it has no operation, we suddenly become a beachhead of heaven in this community where all of a sudden the people are looking on and going, how come you guys are different to us? How come your life is working out differently? How come you're experiencing a favour that we're not experiencing? You're experiencing a breakthrough. You're able to resource things supernaturally that we can't seem to do. Anyone up for that? All right. So what I want to go after just for a very short time is how do we break any power or any agreement with that constriction? Where are the times in the Bible where we see constriction of resource talked about or the breaking of constriction of resource talked about? Let's go to Malachi. Some people call it Malachi. I prefer to call it the Italian prophet Malachi because it just sounds funnier. Uh, chapter 3, it's on page 871 of my Bible, which is probably useless to you. <laughs> 1427 in yours. Anyone else? Anyone else got a number? Anyone? 896, that's close. We're only 20 pages apart. 25, to be precise. All right, I'm, how about I just read the actual passage? Malachi chapter 3. Malachi, I should say it right at some point. It's the second last chapter in the Old Testament. So again, context of resource financial constriction. Uh, verse 7 I'll start from. Ever since the time of the ancestors, you have turned away from my decree. So this is the prophet Malachi talk, relaying the voice of God to the people. You've turned from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we return? Verse 8, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? 
in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there'll be not room enough to store it. That's the opposite of constriction. In other words, the supply breaks out of the constriction. There's just not enough room for it. It just overflows. And then, verse 11, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land. Um, Other versions of that say, I will rebuke the devourer on your behalf. So we have this situation where the constriction in their case looked like pests robbing their stuff, the devourer devouring up their resource. They've got stuff coming into them, but it's getting devoured, so it's not useful to them. So you might grow a great crop, but if a pest devours it, it's not useful. It it becomes rubbish. It becomes trash. If a vine drops its fruit before time, this is things happening out of season, out of their rightful time. And he says, the reason this is happening to you is because you haven't aligned to my way of doing resource. And what he talks about is the tithe. For those of you who don't know, tithe simply means 10%. And to the people of God, it was the first 10% of everything that they earned, whether it was their crops, their finances, their animals. It was the first 10% of everything that they had, they bought as an offering to God. And what that did was basically say to the enemy, get your hands off the other 90%. Now, when I was in Bible college, I remember one of my, uh, one of my lecturers saying this statement, and it stuck with me you know, 25 years later. It's nearly 30 years later. I'm getting a little older than I thought. This is not cool. All right. Wow. Um, what did he say? I just got stuck on being old. Okay, here we go. The, the, ch- squirrel. <laughs> the challenge he said was, do you believe 90 cents with the blessing of God will go further than a dollar without it? I'm like, oh, boom. And that has stuck with me ever since. It was a, a, a totally brilliant way of saying it. Some of you may say, but hang on, that's in the Old Testament. Tithing is in the Old Testament. Um, Tithing was a part of law. We're not under law, we're under grace. I totally agree, we're not under law, we're under grace. Um, Let me say a couple of things quickly about that. Number one is that tithing actually predates the law and the law picked it up. So the law didn't come first. Genesis chapter 14, Abraham meets this dude called Melchizedek, who is this trippy dude, the king of Salem, um, who is essentially a type of Christ, And after God gives Abram, who his name hadn't changed yet, I don't think. No, because he says the God of Abram prays. Yeah, so Abram has this massive victory and he brings an offering of a tithe or 10% of the spoils to Melchizedek, who was the king of Salem. That predated the law by a lot longer than that. Um, it was about 400 and something years, I think. That predated the law, at least 400 years. Some are you Googling it, Frosty? Can you, anyone? Yeah, 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 you're looking at Melchizedek. That's in Genesis chapter 14. So somehow, 
Abram, who we call the father of righteousness, knew that this thing called the tithe was an offering that was acceptable to God. It was then picked up by the law, ratified by the law, and then Jesus picked it up as well and said, you give a tenth of all of your income, and so you should, but you have neglected all of this. In other words, keep doing that, but you need to do this, like love, justice, and mercy. Don't think just because you fulfilled that obligation that everything is okay. So somewhere in there, we see that this thing called the tithe is a spiritual principle of how God's kingdom operates. It's not an issue of law. Now, let's, let's jump to Haggai chapter 1. Let's just like one prophet, jump over one prophet backwards and you'll get to Haggai. Go back from Malachi, you'll get Zechariah and then you'll get Haggai. It's, only, it's not very many pages. It's on page 857 in my Bible. And again, let's talk about constriction. Where was a time where constriction came, where constriction was happening around the people of God in terms of resources? What did God say to it? What was happening and what did God say to it? By the way, I'm I'm well aware that for a huge number of people in the room, I'm preaching to the choir and preaching to the converted, but there was was something on this this week that I cannot ignore. Um, So here we are. (laughs) Haggai chapter 1. Um, In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of that dude, the high priest, Jozadak. 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 The high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. The people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourself to be living in panelled houses while this house, as in the house of God, remains a ruin? So panelled houses in the context of that time, nice, expensive house. Now, I don't think the issue was them living in nice houses. I think the issue was that while the house of God was in ruins. Now, this this is what he says, verse 5. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Here's the constriction. You have planted much, you have harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. You see the constriction. In other words, it's all coming in, but something's happening once it's in. That means we're not getting the full benefit of it. I've got clothes, but I'm not warm. I'm putting it in a purse with holes in it. Just like, it just seems to be leaking out all the time. I was about to say, it sounds like they've got teenage children. <laughs> but that would be cruel, so I won't say that. <laughs> just children. <laughs> Too late. Oh, I did, did I say that? I didn't just think it. <sighs> no. Yeah, all right. So this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. In other words, what's the way out of the constriction? Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honoured. You expected much, but you see it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. 
There's the constriction again. Why? Why the constriction? Declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and in the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive, and everything else the ground produces, on people, on livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. In other words, everything that had anything to do remotely with their economy got dried up. Why? Because their priorities didn't line up with God's priorities. Now, when we see the breaking of the constriction, we see the heart of God is to pour out ridiculous amounts of abundance. When the, when the, the ark went into the house of Obed-Edom, 2 Kings chapter 6, I may be off on the address there, but the house of God, David's bringing back the ark. Someone trips while holding the ark. This dude reaches out to catch it, you know, classic catch, a bit like Steve Smith last night. Don't know if any of you saw the replay. It was an absolute screamer. Reaches out to catch the ark to save it from hitting the ground. But the rule was you touch the ark, you die. Touch the ark, died. And David is going, how are we ever, ever going to get this house? How are we going to get this thing back to where it comes if this is what's happening? He's in frustration. So they leave it in the house of this guy called Obed-Edom along the way. And while the ark is in Obed-Edom's house, everything that he did prospered. What that shows you is the heart of God, when the presence of God is embodied in a household, what is meant to happen? Good stuff is meant to happen. Prosperity was the result. Now, I know for some, that word may have all sorts of triggers and you've heard some really interesting stuff over the years. And... I'm sorry, there has been some really dodgy stuff taught. But just because something's gone to an excess doesn't mean that there isn't a truth somewhere in there. We leave the excess behind and we pick up what the truth is. Just because there's psychics doesn't mean there isn't prophetic. In other words, just because there's something that's, that the enemy has taken hold of and used doesn't mean that something that looks very like it, which is the prophetic, wasn't actually his original plan. In fact... The only things that get counterfeited are things that are of value. You don't see a counterfeit $3 bill, typically. What's that? No, you don't see a counterfeit five cents. Usually they're going to counterfeit the, really, the, the, the hundreds, the, the nice, the good stuff. So... If we want... The blessing of God. And this is for us individually because he wants to bless every single one of our economies and that's what we want to go after. But he wants to bless our corporate economy too because there are things that we are called to do that right now, if we consult the bank account, we can't do it. And I feel like God's wanting to turn that around. And one of the key ways he wants to turn it around is to bless you to cause your house to be in a place of prosperity and abundance. How do we get there? We need to align our priorities to heaven's priorities. If we want heaven to come on earth, our priority system has to line up with his priority system. That's the way it happens. Back to Malachi for a moment. He said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. 
that there may be food in my house. Haggai said, build the house of God and I will build yours. In other words, the way God's kingdom works is you put him first, he'll put you first. You build his house, he'll build yours. One of the things I think that is often lacking when we take up our offerings, and we pray this and we talk, and you've noticed when we take up offerings, quite often we pray blessing over your economy and we pray breakthrough and debts paid off and bills paid and all of that kind of stuff. There's a reason we do that, and that is we're meant to attach faith to our giving. It's, I mean, Bill Johnson talks about the tithers, that's rent for living on God's earth and breathing his air. And I think there's actually an element of truth to that. But everything in the kingdom we're meant to attach faith to. Because then Jesus said in the book of Luke, give and it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Now, if you think about it for a moment, flour, something like that. A garbage bin even. (laughs) Press it down, give it a bit of a shake and then it all settles in, creates more room in there. Press down, shaken together basically compacts it so that you can fit more stuff in the thing and then running over. That's, that's the way of the kingdom. So when we give, when we put our offerings in, we, we um, for our regular tithes, we automate it so that, actually, no, we don't. We used to do that, but because our income's different every month, we do it manually now. That was an out-of-season word. I don't even know what my own house is doing, even though I do it. But... Um, Every time we give, we're not just meant to do it like a tick-the-box compliant exercise. We are meant to attach faith to it because there are promises attached to this. As we give, we sow into his house and we make his house a priority. And to me, you know, I I can't comment fully on the wisdom of why 10%, but one of the things I know is it's enough to really miss it. (laughs) There's enough in there that it's sacrificial. It's enough to hurt. When you look at the figure and kind of go, what could I have done with that? Could have got Josh a bigger birthday present, for example. It was a long board, I know, but more is more. Do not engage in a fight with your son. Or a <laughs> it's enough to be sacrificial. And the beauty about it being a percentage is... There's no room for comparison of I give this dollar amount, you give this dollar amount. Who cares? The sacrifice is equal, even when the amount is not. That's the point. God's kingdom is, in that sense, quite fair. It's just. Now, if you... um, just so happens. And I don't have time to go into this much more because there's something I want us to do. I want us to pray and I want us to do an actual prophetic act. I've taught a whole lot more on this in this series called The Kingdom and Provision. It's about more than giving. It's about um, how does provision happen in the kingdom of God? Eight parts. I actually did this here. Some of you were probably in the room for at least some of this. Most weren't in the room for the entire series. I've got it on a CD series. I've got it on a, um, an MP3 series. I think that's 6747. Or if you want to go to kingdomconcepts.com.au and just get it electronically with no hardware at all, it's, it's 44. Um, if you want to dive deeper and kind of go, okay, that was interesting, I need to understand more, we have the resources that can give you a pretty, um, pretty full-on look at 
what the kingdom of heaven is meant to look like in terms of resource and provision because most of us have bought into what we call the earth curse system that says you have to toil and labor for your provision. That's what happened as a result of the fall. In Genesis chapter 3, thank you, in Genesis chapter 3, part of the curse was by the sweat of your brow you will eat your food. In other words, you're going to have to work for it. But when we came into the kingdom, when Jesus died on the cross, he wore a crown of thorn on his head and he broke that curse. So we are meant to live under an entirely different system of provision. And this goes into what does that look like? And the old thing of um, the wilderness, which was when Israel's food was flown in every day, as in, you know, birds literally flown in um, every day, matter and quail. We often think, now our version of manner and quail is checks in the mail. That rhymed, did you get that? <laughs> manner and quail, checks in the mail. Our version is, I want checks in the mail. And that, that, is, that is a wilderness mentality. It shows up when I need it. The kingdom is abundance. I have more than enough. I have dominion in that realm. Like I said, I pick that up a whole lot more. And if you weren't there for it and you're interested, we have those resources there if you want to dig deeper. Where I want us to head tonight is... This feeling that we need to do something in order to break the constriction. As I look at it, I'm going to be really bold. And I said, this is something we've never, ever done in the life of I-61. And if anyone feels remotely manipulated, don't do this until you do. Until, sorry, don't do this <laughs> until you don't feel that way. Forward slap. There's a lot of conversations going on in here right now. I'm trying to just... That's a fair question. I don't know yet. One of the things I believe that we are meant to do tonight is to take up a special separate offering to break as a prophetic act of sowing something into the kingdom and breaking the constriction off us. In other words, going in the opposite spirit. One of the things that will always hold us back from kingdom finance is fear of lack. And that will mean we look at the tithe amount and we look at our bills and we go, ooh, if I don't do that and I pay this, then everything meets up okay. And what you're saying is, I trust me for my provision more than I trust him. Offerings and tithes in Scripture are always a first fruits concept. And in fact, the first fruits was another kind of offering, but we're not going there right now. It was always it comes out first before everything else. I believe we're meant to take up an offering. Now, some of you won't have cash or anything like that. And you've got a, you know, a day or so to get on your bank account and do whatever you normally do. What I want you to do is simply this, because this takes all the manipulation off it. Ask God what he wants you to do and do that. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to say, ask God what he wants you to do and do that. That's between you and him. I don't need to know. We don't need to know. Don't want to know. Simply between you and him, because that takes the manipulation out of it. But then, one of the key things we want to make sure that we're doing is aligning our life so that we're set up for blessing and increase. And that means, is my financial world lined up with the kingdom with kingdom priorities such that he can rebuke the devourer? Because that was a conditional thing. And such that, 
This is an act of faith. So whether you give in cash or whether you go into your bank or whether you, you know, go home and do it tonight or tomorrow or whatever, what I want to suggest is whatever you do, don't delay whatever decision you're going to make. Like if God says you're off the hook, you're off the hook, make the decision, move on, okay? But if God says to do something, do it quickly because I feel like we're in a window of opportunity right now where God has spoken to us really, really clearly through a number of separate channels and I want us to listen to what he says. But I want us to attach faith. I don't want this to be a manipulative thing. I don't want it to be a fundraising thing. Not interested. What I'm really interested in is lining us up in such a way that we are aligned with the kingdom of God and positioned to receive everything he wants us to receive so that we can overflow and touch our community, touch our region, our city, our nation, the planet, the universe. And let's start there and see if we go any further. One person got that. Thank you, Cameron. I'm going to stop and pray. Then I'm going to get us to stand. I think. I'm going to stop and pray. And I'm going to pray for revelation. And I'm really serious when I say, A, if you feel manipulated in any way, don't do it. Just take your time until you feel the voice of God speak to you. Let him dictate what you do. Okay? I'm not interested in anyone's manipulation money. I do not want it. But whatever you do, do it quickly, as in listen to God, ask what he is asking of you, that will break any constriction, any false alignment, and then do that. And then let's see what he does. Because as we do this, I'm believing for significant breakthroughs. I'm believing for for debts to be paid off supernaturally. I'm believing for stuff that's on your heart that you haven't been able to do because you haven't had the funds for, that, for those funds to come in so that you can do what's on your heart to do. Is that cool? All right. Anyone else who have been part of this got anything they want to add prayerfully, prophetically before I pray? All good? All right. Let me pray for us. I'm going to give us a moment to wait and listen. Then we'll pass some stuff around. Father, we want to take seriously what you're saying to us as a house. We're hearing you want to bless us. You want to break resource constriction off us. You want to break it off us individually. You want to break it off us corporately. And you want to set us up. In your word, it says so that the nations of the earth will look at you and see that you are God. So, Lord, we want to align ourselves with you. We want to bring our financial world under your dominion. God, we repent of fear of lack in the name of Jesus. We repent of fear of lack. I feel like that's a biggie. Fear of lack, fear of poverty, fear of not having enough. Fear that if I really trust God, will he actually show up? And if any of you have got disappointment from past stuff, this is the time where I feel like that's one of the pieces of baggage that he, doesn't, that he doesn't want us to take into a new financial year. And the way to deal with disappointment is to take it before God. Don't fake it. Don't fudge it. Just to say, God, I don't know what happened there. I'm confused. I don't understand. I want to bring that before you. And I invite you to touch that part. And 
Sometimes he doesn't give us a reason, but sometimes he gives us the grace to simply trust him, and that's what we're looking for. Because he's a good dad, and he delights in providing for his kids. If you ask for bread, he's not going to give you a rock. If you ask for a fish, he's not going to give you a scorpion. So Jesus, we break off ourselves the fear of lack. We, we repent of any alignment of that. We read in the Psalms that your house is a house of abundance, that you are not stingy, you are not tight. That's that other spirit that's tight, literally. You're not tight. And you want to bring us into a realm of overflow. Paul said it by having, by said, so that you will have more than enough, that you will abound in every good work, so that at all times, in all places, you will have everything you need and you will abound. In other words, you will overflow in every good work. So God, right now, I just release this house to your voice for you to speak for you to be Lord of this moment. Just release anyone from any feeling of being manipulated or coerced and just release you from that completely and free you to do what Jesus is asking of you. Okay, I'm going to give you just a moment to wait and to listen to what he has to say to you. Now, whatever the amount is, whether you're doing it now, whether you go to your bank later or whatever, I want us to make sure we attach faith to this. One of the things that when, when we sow a seed into the kingdom of God, we bring this realm into the domain of his kingdom. So what I want to do is ask you, what are you believing for? What are you attaching faith to with this offering? Okay, this is not just a compliance exercise. So where are you feeling constricted? Is it, is it unpaid bills? Is it, um, I don't have a house of my own, and, you, and that's been something that's been on your heart. Is it, um, it could be any area of your finances where you feel constricted. And as you give, whether you do it, we'll pray it now, but as you give, I want you to lay hands on that thing and go, as I sow this into the kingdom of God, I attach my faith, faith to this and I believe for a kingdom return. So when you put something in good soil, you expect something to grow. Feel free to just yeah, nod. That's, that was a good point. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> So as you give in faith, 
doing that, attach your faith to it and say, I bring, and I, I visualize a lot, I'm a really visual person, so I just visualize that thing and I visualize bringing it into the domain of the kingdom and I declare over it and say, as I sow this seed in Jesus' name, I bring this realm, our cars, for example, into the realm of the kingdom and God, I give you permission to do your thing and then I just keep praying and then I watch what he does. We've given away two and a half cars since we've been married, and we've been given two. Well, how do you give half a car? Yeah, we just chopped it in half. <laughs> no, we, we sold it and we gave half the money away. But the other two, we actually gave people the whole car because we had another one and we didn't need this one, so we sold it. And we've been given two cars. That means I'm still owed at least half one, and I have a prophetic word about another one that came completely out of the blue. But what we're doing is we're bringing that realm into the kingdom of God and saying, all right, as I sow this seed, just like, the five loaves and two fishes, that boy brought that into the kingdom. He gave it to Jesus, which means that stuff transferred kingdoms and allowed that massive provision to occur. So as we do this, this is a transaction that means there is areas in your physical resource world that are now changing kingdoms and are now open to the Obed-Edom kind of stuff. Getting the idea? There is so much more to say on this, but you can't bear it right now. Right now, let's stand. And whether you hold actual, um, actual cash in your hand or... Um, whatever, and then we're going to pray. After this, we're going to praise our way out of here because, again, one of the keys of breaking off that Python spirit when Paul and Silas were in prison, they praised God while chained up and the chains broke off. So, praise is one of the other things that is going to break constriction off us, and that's how I want us to finish. So, as you pray, yeah, whether figuratively or literally, lay hands in your offering. But also I want you to, to visualise or picture what it is that you're believing God for. Where are you feeling constricted and, where, and what would that look like for it to be broken off? Because we're bringing, in doing this, we are bringing that realm into the kingdom of God. And I'm expecting over the next few weeks to hear some really cool testimonies. All right, let's engage your heart, engage your faith. If you want to pray along in the spirit, pray along out loud, whatever you want to do. Let's, do, let's just make sure this isn't us. God, in the name of Jesus... As we sow into your kingdom, we do it in faith. And we declare as we do this that we are aligning ourselves with your kingdom. God, where we haven't brought the whole tithe into the storehouse, we repent of that, we break alignment with it, and we realign our lives. And as we sow this offering, we break constriction off ourselves in the name of Jesus. We break agreement with fear of lack, with fear of poverty, with fear of not having enough. And as we sow into your kingdom, the realms that for all of us we're seeing or we're visualizing or thinking of right now, we declare now that that realm has changed domains. It's changed domains from the earth curse into the kingdom of heaven and is now open to heaven's invasion. And God, we thank you for your promise that you will throw open the windows of heaven, that there may be not enough room to contain what you will pour out. And that when there is more than enough, we have more than enough for every good work. 
so that your kingdom would be resourced, that your house would be resourced. No more constriction. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, let me just say one more time, just to be clear. If anyone feels manipulated, controlled, coerced, hang off until you don't feel that way. Okay, be released, be free. That would be the last thing I would want. If your faith is there and attached, let's give. Do you want to start, you know, doing that? And I will join you in just a moment. Yeah, so let's collect, let's pass around these funny basket things. Oh, if you want to do it, if you're doing it electronically and you want to just label an offering or special offering or something like that in the description field. But let's now, let, as we do this, let's engage our faith and let's praise Him.